Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Sam's Report, which is always a good thing because that means it is Friday, and Friday is always a good time. And so let's just kind of dive in here, shall we? It's December 16th, and gosh, wow. Uh, <laughs> so Microsoft keeps it, keeps it very interesting this time of the year. Paul and I were talking about this uh, earlier this week, that we typically expect things to kind of slow down right now. Nope. Nope, <laughs> not even close. So it is uh, beginning to look a lot like Christmas, Hanukkah, Festivus, Kwanzaa, or anything else that you celebrate. It is very cold outside. I actually turn, had to turn off my heater that I have under my desk that keeps my toes toasty warm. So if I just pass out to turn a little blue during the podcast, you'll know why. It's because I have actually frozen. Um, anyways, let's just kind of dive into the stuff that's going on this week. A lot actually went on, some official, some unofficial. This is kind of the, on the unofficial side. Uh, Mobile World Congress meeting website for Microsoft went live. And so people kind of freaked out. And I guess granted, that's a good thing. People are like, oh my God, Microsoft's going back to Mobile World Congress. It's going to be amazing. They're going to have all this cool stuff. Okay, let's just kind of reel it back for a minute here. First off, they've done this every single year. Microsoft has been at Mobile World Congress. They just haven't always been keynoting. Uh, they've always shown off Lumia stuff. And so they're typically always there. That This isn't really news. They always have meetings because, hey, all their key vendors that they work with are there. You know, Samsung, Acer, and all those guys are there. They're going to go there because they're going to hold meetings. And, and that's just the business world. So they're going to go. What we don't know is if there's really going to be any major announcements. They have announced uh, Windows 10 on ARM. And so people are kind of getting excited and saying, hey, maybe this is going to be the coming out event for that uh, from different vendors and we'll see kind of how this goes with the cellular PC model but we don't really know and so I, I wouldn't get too hyped up about it yet I think we're still a little bit time I think I think there's still gonna be a little bit of gap and I might be eating my own shoe here in a little bit but I still think we're gonna see a little bit longer of a gap between now and when Windows 10 uh, on ARM because they did say devices are coming this uh, what did they say the second half of 2017 is when those devices were in a ship. So to announce them at the end of February, it seems a little premature. I don't know. I, maybe I'm overthinking that too much, but we'll see. We will see. Uh, still digging around, trying to figure out what's going on there, but I'm not expecting like some massive showcase of new Lumias or anything along that line. Microsoft's done with that stuff. So that's Mobile World Congress, end of February, and we'll just kind of keep an eye out on that stuff. A uh, couple other high notes. Uh, <laughs> This has been covered to death, so I won't drill on about it. But if you have a Yahoo account, just go ahead and shut that down. All right? Because clearly, uh, to them, security is an afterthought. And, and the, the thing that about their compromise that kills me, not only is it a billion users, not only do they have a 500 million user um, accounts compromised, it's the fact that how they are compromised. Like, the, the people who got this stuff actually got into their systems and were able to spoof uh, security mechanisms with the cookies. It's... They're, <laughs> I'm trying not to swear pervasively, uh, but their system's screwed. They've got some bigger issues, and Verizon's sitting there going, hey, we're not going to pay a lot of money for you guys anymore, because they said they were going to pay, what, $4.8 then $500 million came out that were hacked or leaked. And they said, okay, we're going to reel it back, um, and then a billion came out and says, okay, what are we actually paying for? We could go buy all those accounts on the black market now. So anyways, Yahoo!, not so maybe they should take the exclamation point out of their name and just be like yahoo with a question mark yahoo like really um anyways 
So, moving back on, uh, Microsoft announced this week, and actually Chrome is doing this as well, that they're going to demote Flash in 2017. This is fantastic. Flash has been uh, a security weakness in the internet infrastructure. I know that's technically not correct to, to say it that way, but it's been an, a, a pervasive weakness in the browser world for a very long time, and Chrome is demoting it uh, to basically a background thing. You have to actually activate it, and Edge is going to be doing the same thing. It says, uh, Microsoft specifically says, sites that support HTML5 will default to a clean HTML5 experience. In these cases, Flash will not even be loaded, uh, which will improve performance, battery life, and security. So Edge is doing this, Chrome is doing this, and I think we are finally... Apple, to their credit, Steve Jobs said Flash is whatever something. He said it was bad, and they started killing it with the iPhone. And um, so here we are, 2017, and Flash is truly finally going to be going away. So it'll be interesting to see how developers react. I can't imagine this being a big shock. Everyone has been moving to HTML5 and to web standards, and it's a better experience for everybody. So good job, Edge team. Yeah. Uh, there's also a bunch of new Edge extensions out. I think Origin uBlock, I think is how you say it. Uh, it's another ad block that is people, I don't know, people like it better than AdBlock Plus, which for obvious reasons I understand why. And so that is now out for Edge if that is your thing. So some big announcements out of Microsoft this week. Some very big and um, frankly confusing announcements out of Microsoft this week. And, and I'll explain why. So they announced this week uh, a Cortana SDK and skills kit. And so what this is, in a nutshell, it's going to allow Cortana to be on everything. So Harmon, whoa, why did my camera just go way out of focus? Wow, that's never happened before. Uh, so what this is going to allow is for Cortana to be on everything. So anything that's connected to the internet, essentially, you can now interject uh, Cortana into this experience with this Cortana SDK and the skills kit. And it's going to allow you to create a headless Cortana or what I've always wanted, an Amazon Echo that is Cortana-based. And we're actually going to get one, at least we think. Harman Kardon, uh, alongside Microsoft, released a teaser video that shows off a device that looks very similar to a uh, an Echo, but obviously running Cortana. And it appears to be headless, although we don't quite know. Because if you actually watch that video, and, and um, this is where some of the confusion comes in. There's very clearly a display on the top of this device. And it shows what everyone knows as Cortana, the little ring thing, like flashing in and out. And what we don't know, is that actually a display? Like, is that a screen? We don't really know. And this is, I don't, I'm cautiously optimistic that it's not. It's quite literally just a little, like, display i guess is a better way to describe it uh that just shows the cortana interaction that hey it's responding um, the echo has a little ring but it's just a light and so i'm hoping maybe it's just a light thing and it's not like an actual interactive display but uh cortana sdk does allow for devices without heads and when people say headless that means without a display uh headless devices so that's that is coming which i'm i I really hope at CES we see a whole bunch of Cortana devices, although I don't know. We don't know how far along this SDK is with uh, like the likes of Samsung and, and those big vendors that are actually going to build this stuff. So uh, this stuff is now out, with and Microsoft, and we'll get to this in a second, it's now courting developers to build um, add-ins. Microsoft is calling them skills. Amazon also calls them skills, so it's very odd. Um, anyway, so... They're trying to court these developers that 
they should come build for Cortana stuff because, hey, Cortana's coming and we need features because Cortana's great, but if you can't use it with all your IoT devices like I use my Echo for, it's completely worthless to me. Uh, if, I, if it doesn't have a line out and I can't sync it with Spotify to use with Sonos upstairs that I have, it's, it's worthless. So, it, again, Microsoft is finding itself in a position where it needs third-party developers, and if they don't have them, then the value proposition of a Cortana Cube or Cortana type device is reduced. Now, granted, I don't think they're super late, but they're obviously not on the leading edge of this stuff. And where some of the confusion com comes in is actually last week at WinHack, Microsoft announced Windows uh, 10 IoT, which is their IoT platform or Internet of Things. But that setup, that platform requires a display. So now you, it, it's I, like, this is what's confusing. And I'm waiting for Microsoft to kind of clarify on this. So when do you use Windows 10 IoT and when do you use Cortana? Can you use them both at the same time? But if you have to use them both, if you can't use them both at the same time, do you have to have a display? And I don't know, like it, it's, it's confusing about how they announced both of these kind of IoT type device platforms at the same time within a week of each other. And one requires a display, one doesn't. So it's like, why would you use Windows 10 IoT? And I understand maybe it's for just analytics and that kind of stuff. But if it's just for analytics and it's a sensor, why does it need a freaking display? So um, kind of waiting for this, this story to mature on Microsoft's end. We've, we've pinged them a couple times and their, their statements are a little confusing, uh, if I'm honest. So Cortana SDK and SkillsKit, it's coming. Headless, um, Echo-like devices, Cortana integration. We don't know how far along this is. And, and what's more unknown is that WinHack last week is in China with all their hardware partners. Why would they not announce this there? That's that's the other confusing thing is they had this hardware conference with all their partners and they didn't talk about it on stage. And so my thought is that maybe they had an NDA session, which is extremely plausible. This happens at every conference where they have their partners come into a room and they, they say, okay, sign these documents or whatever. And uh, they they lay out their future plans. So it's extremely plausible that this happened last week and they talked to him, and I hope so, but uh, we don't know. And we do know that they have talked to hardware partners prior to the announcement because Harman Kardon already has what appears, unless it's complete uh, concept video, which I, I don't know. It, we don't see enough of it in the video. It could just be that they've been working with them for a while, and that's what I hope. I hope that they said Harman Kardon, like in August, said, hey, let's build a device together. And I'm hoping that maybe other partners got involved, and that's why I'm optimistic. We'll see more of these things sooner rather than later, but that's about all that we have for now. But, <laughs> but that's all we have on the development side. But one of the things that's very, very, very important to understand uh, is looking through Microsoft's numbers that they announced with the Cortana uh Harden Carden device, whatever you want to call it. And so they said, uh, specifically, they said they had 140 million monthly active users of Cortana. Now, if you've read Therat.com lately, you know I wrote all this up, uh, but I, it, it's extremely wor important and worth talking about. Uh, so they, Microsoft said they had 145 million monthly active users. On the surface, that sounds incredibly good. Like it's like 145 million. That sounds like a lot, but it's not. It's not as roses and uh, fairy tale stories as it sounds. It, it it just really isn't. And so here's why. So at WinHack the prior week, Microsoft said, "Hey, they have 140 million monthly active users of Cortana using the search box on Windows 10." So what that means is if you have installed Windows 10, you know how Cortana pops up and, and you click, hey, yes, I do want to use this feature. And you click yes, and then you log into your Microsoft account, and it's loaded. 
if you hit the Windows key after you've gone through those steps, if you hit the Windows key and type Outlook or Chrome or Edge, that makes you a monthly active user of Cortana. That's not really a Cortana use case, right? That's not, I don't consider that a monthly active user, but Microsoft's kind of hiding their numbers by saying that. And so what we don't really know are what the quality of engagements are because like myself, I have Cortana enabled, but I never talk to my PC. Um, if I hit the Windows key and type and do a search, I do that all the time. It's not even a search. Like, it's not even a question. It's just Windows key Chrome, Windows key Edge, Windows key Outlook, whatever. Uh, for this, Windows key XSplit. Like, is that really five or six interactions with Cortana? Not really, but Microsoft's counting that. So I started to work through these numbers. And if you look at, we had 145 million Microsoft as all Cortana users. They said that 145 million monthly active users. WinHack, 140 million uh, search box users. So if you do some very basic math, subtraction, uh, it looks like they have 5 million uh, users of Cortana on mobile devices. And so this includes Windows Phone, iOS, and Android. And 5 million is like, well, maybe that is a big number. No, not 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 even close. It's, it's I don't even, it's like mist. It's not even a drop of water in the ocean. It's more like mist floating, like, right above the water. And here's why. Uh, Apple said in January of 2016 that they had 1 billion, that's B with a billion, iOS devices in use. Now granted, I believe Apple considers an active user, a monthly active user, or whatever they call it, or active users, on a three-month basis, so if you use a device in a quarter. But anyways, uh, they have a billion active devices, and this was in January, so I guarantee that they probably have more devices now. And in 2015, uh, Google said that Android had, and this is again, active devices, not just sold, shipped, or whatever, 1.4 billion devices. So they're clearly higher, farther north uh, than 1.4 billion. So if you look at that, just going by the numbers as stated, that's 2.4 billion devices that are smartphones out in the world, and 5 million of them are actively using Cortana. Like, just, yeah. Just kind of... Uh, so just, just think about that for a little bit. And then we already know that the majority of the users are on the desktop and they're not high quality engagement. So uh, I, I've heard this internally, I've heard this before, that Cortana is not being adopted as well as Microsoft had hoped. And so these numbers actually kind of really align to that because if you if you look at the how people are inter interacting with it, mm. uh, other facts that have come out, my, Apple has said, actually this is last quarter in October of 2016, they said that they had 2 billion interactions per week with Siri. Now, granted, that's not 2 billion users. That's 2 billion interactions, uh, or 2 billion, billion queries, sorry, per week. We don't have any numbers on Android, Google, on Android, uh, on the Google Now or Google Assistant. Google has just said that uh, voice search is up significantly, like 25% year over year. But we don't really know what their engagement rate is. And all these companies announce these numbers intentionally because they don't want uh they don't want you to do what I'm trying to do is just to compare them all to say, hey, who's really winning in this race? So there you go. Cortana, uh, um, don't get caught up because there were some sites out there. It's at 145 million monthly active users of Cortana and they're like cheering. It's like, guys, like think about this, like use some critical analysis. And I trust me, I like Cortana. It's a fine platform. It works very well. It's just Microsoft has has screwed up and its distribution of the platform. This Cortana SDK should have been available a year ago. Uh, I don't know why it took so long. As soon as they saw this thing, they should have said, well, we're only on desktop. How are we going to get it on other devices? Let's build an SDK and let's get it out as fast as possible. It's as fast as possible. And so the reason why this is really important is computing is changing. 
And whether or not you want to believe me, I, I you know, take take it with your own grain of salt. Uh, talking to an AI assistant is going to become much more pervasive the further and more robust these devices get. And so if Microsoft can't get Cortana to be a very widely used and widely adopted platform, it's going to be missing out on that type of a computing environment, much like it did with the smartphone. So they have to, they, they really have to get their butt in line and make the Cortana everywhere and not just everywhere, but used everywhere. And so that's why this is really important. This is why I harp on this stuff. Uh, it was announced this week that all, I think, Wynn hotels in Las Vegas, so like 4,500 rooms, are every single room is going to have an Echo in it now. And so these are the types of scenarios. Granted, that's not like, a, I mean, that's a big win for Amazon because uh, think about how many people come through those hotel rooms on an annual basis, and they're all being exposed to an Amazon Echo every every day. And so... Like these are the things that Microsoft really needs to start trying to get into because if they lose Cortana as a brand, they're going to be in some trouble for this next generation of computing that only works versus on your voice. So that's why, that's why I keep harping on this is like Microsoft, get your butt in line. So, uh, there you go. Anyways, moving on to some more rosy news about Microsoft. Uh, Surface for them, they came out, again, this is all this week. It's like, Jesus, Microsoft, you've got a lot of stuff going on. And it's so odd that they do this in, the, in December. Like, this isn't a big time of the year. The only thing I can think about with the Cortana stuff is that they're trying to prep for CES, we hope. Otherwise, when I go to CES next month, it's just going to be sadness. Um, anyways, so this was a big month for Surface, or November was, pardon me. They said it was their best month ever for consumer sales. Now, this is, this is really interesting to me for a, a couple of reasons. One, the Surface isn't new. So Surface Book and Surface Pro 4, like, it's not like they're brand new devices. They've been out for a while. Uh, a year, I think, roughly? Yeah, a year. And so it's like all of a sudden they're having their best month ever. So a couple guesses, um, or I guess speculation at this point, Um the first one is is that they drop they've been dropping their price quite a bit. And so these devices are now much cheaper than they were a year ago and consumers obviously if you drop the price more consumers generally buy a product when it, they see a good value. They say, "Hey, that's the latest gen Surface Book. It's now 3-400 bucks cheaper than when it was released. Let's buy it." And, and it's a great machine for that price, for the price that they're offering. Uh, the other kind of speculation out there is that people just aren't really impressed with what Apple did with the MacBook Pro. Now, I go both ways on this because Apple is going to sell a ton of their new MacBook Pros, mostly because they have significant pent-up demand, and that's what happens when you don't ship a new product for several years. And so they're going to sell a lot of them. They're going to outsell the Surface, I guarantee it. And and that's, that's it. I mean, they will. Uh, Microsoft claims that the reason why they had such strong surface sales is that they're seeing more people convert from Mac to Windows or Mac back to Windows more than likely or whatever. Uh, and that's part of the reason for the strong sales. So it's just, maybe it's just a mixture of things. Lower price, people weren't extremely happy with the MacBook Pro. I think the Guardian uh, review of the new MacBook Pro kind of said it pretty well. It says it's the nicest laptop you should never buy. Uh, they cited battery life issues. The touch bar, while good, just it didn't really serve a, a huge purpose. Um, and a couple other things, but anyways, so I don't know. I really like the MacBook Pro hardware. I, I, I'm not so much sold on the touch bar. Honest, honestly, if the MacBook Pro had a touch screen, I probably would have bought one just to dual boot with Windows, because uh, it, it's a great looking machine and whatever. But it, you, there's no touch screen, and I have grown to love a touch screen laptop. And so, yep, yep. Anyways, 
so that's Surface Book and Surface Pro 4. The other thing that Microsoft said too is the Surface Hub, which is a massive device. We actually, I, I tried to buy one actually, uh, that TV back there. We tried to get Microsoft to, to sell us them. We, we tried to get them for uh, the podcast I do with Paul and we tried to get two of them and we couldn't because they were out of stock. And I wrote back in like July or August or sometime around then that, hey, this thing is actually a really big hit. Microsoft can't keep them in stock. And they actually came out with this announcement and said, hey, yeah, it really is a big hit. Uh, and th this is what's surprising to me. So remember, these things cost, I believe, $9,000 and like $22,000 for the 55-inch and for the 84-inch, which sounds like a lot of money, but listen to this. It says the average order size is 50 units. 50. Now, granted, there's a caveat with that. That's the average order size. That's not how many Microsoft has delivered. They've been way behind the, the curve on this stuff. And so the average order is 50, but they haven't delivered 50 yet on average to each customer. And they said their largest order from an auto manufacturer was 1,500 Surface Hubs. 1,500. That's a lot of money. Now, we don't know if that's the 84 or the 55-inch. I would probably guess if most of them are more towards uh, the 55-inch. But everybody who said that this thing was overpriced, and I know I wrote that it was expensive, but I don't know if I, I'll bite my tongue and say ever said it was too expensive, but... Um, for an enterprise device, an industrial device, it's not a bad value. If you go look at like Cisco's offering for this type of stuff, it's it's much more expensive. And so those are the types of companies that are hurting from this. But the service hub, it, man, uh, it's obviously here to stay. Microsoft can't make enough of them. They, they said they're ramping up production of this stuff so that they can actually start shipping more. Because obviously if they have that many orders, as soon as they get one out the door, they make more money. Anyways, service hub doing exceptionally well. And we know that... And maybe I honestly wonder if that it's doing so well. That's why Google got into the game. Remember, Google came out with the Jamboard, which is a competitor to the Surface Hub. It's it's not quite the same. It's it's a competitor in the fact that it's a large display white whiteboard type thing that's made for the conference room. Com both companies approach it slightly differently. Microsoft is more of like a PC on the wall, and Jamboard is more like an extension of your cell phone. But same idea, same product, same market, same demographic. So interesting stuff there. Uh, good job, Microsoft, I guess. Uh, and the enterprise side, actually, I find this very fascinating. Uh, hopefully you do too. I, I don't know. It's good for Microsoft. It's good for Amazon. It's even good for Google. Cisco, uh, makers of what I would just call legacy stuff, is shutting down its cloud. So I know if you're thinking Cisco had a cloud. Yes, they did. They, they dumped a billion dollars into, I think they called it InterCloud. And it was their attempt to take on AWS, Azure, and Google. And if you hear the term, term um, or the statement that they only invested, and I say only, invested a billion dollars into their cloud, that's essentially why they failed. Uh, Microsoft has gone on the record, I think a couple different times, that says each one of their data centers costs a billion, and they have them, like 20 or 30 of them, scattered around the globe. So they're like 20 to $30 billion deep into this stuff. And to come in and only invest a, a billion is not going to cut it. And so we know that Google is ramping up their data center build outs and they're spending in the billions and Amazon is our, is, you know, the market leader and they've already spent billions. So to only, only spend a billion dollars to get into the cloud game isn't going to cut it. And that's why they're shutting down the cloud. They're going to be moving it to an unnamed service. Many people speculate AWS, but we don't quite know yet. Um, it's interesting. And that's why the cloud is such a tough and it is a tough nut to crack because not only do you need a killer like software side of it, but you need just billions upon billions of dollars of infrastructure 
to be able to compete with Azure and AWS. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it, I don't expect many or any newcomers to come out other than Microsoft, Amazon, and Google uh, for the foreseeable future. IBM could potentially make a play. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they have the cash, uh, cash flow to be able to, to maintain another huge, massive build out for that kind of stuff. So I, I don't know, honestly, enough about IBM's financials to say whether or not they can eventually be up in the same category as AWS, Azure, and eventually Google will get there. So um, anyways, uh, also announced, uh, well, this was announced actually technically at WinHack last week, but the videos just went online about some gaming updates for Windows 10. And so this is coming with the creators update, which will arrive in the spring. So we have WDDM 2.2 is coming. HDR is coming for gaming and apps uh, to Windows 10. But here's the kind of the big thing is if you download a game from the Windows store after the creators update ships, what it's going to start doing is actually grabbing the driver for you, the latest driver for your video card. And Microsoft cited that with, I think it was Forza Horizon or one of the Forza games from the Windows Store, what they noticed is that people were claiming poor performance, but when they did their investigation, what they realized is that these people didn't have the latest graphics drivers that were optimized for these games. And so what's gonna happen is if you download, uh, we'll just call it Forza Horizon 4 or whatever, um, it will look on Windows Update and says, hey, does he have the latest uh, graphics driver? And if you don't, then it's gonna automatically download it for you and install it. So this is good and bad. This is good for the people who just don't really know about drivers and just simply want to play a freaking game and they hope that drivers and everything work. This is bad for the people who like super granular control like myself and are very careful about the drivers they install because hey, we've gotten a few bad driver updates from the likes of Nvidia before uh, and even AMD. So that is coming. Microsoft hasn't said whether or not to allow you to opt in or out of that, but that is definitely happening with the Windows Store games. Um, other things that are happening too are Xbox Wireless, which if you're not familiar with that, that is the ability to use your Xbox controller like uh, like the Elite right here. I think you can use the Elite. Uh, actually, I don't know if you can. With, a, with the dongle that they sell. And what you do is you plug the dongle in and then you can use your Xbox peripherals with that dongle wirelessly on your PC and they call it Xbox Wireless. And so what's coming with the creators update and 2017 is that they're gonna, the the companies that can use the that experience, the Xbox Wireless experience is expanding. So they announced like Plantier, um, Turtle Beach, and a couple of their headset companies that use uh, wireless with the Xbox are going to be able to use it on your PC. And I think they mentioned Rock Band on stage potentially. So what this really means is that if you have Xbox One accessories, you'll soon be able to use them on your PC. That's great. I mean, yeah. And what they're going to try to do, I believe, is start building this stuff into like the motherboard or just as like an internal chip component. Because right now the dongle, while it's great, uh, it is a big dongle that sticks out on the back. And the reason why they use that is it gets uh, lower latency, it's higher bandwidth, but it does have shorter range. Like they don't want to use Bluetooth because... Well, Bluetooth is great. It's not great for gaming. And considering that you're always going to be within, you know, six, ten feet of your PC, it, it's better to trade off range for higher performance than to have be able to use your uh, your controller 35 feet away. But you know, whatever. So that is just all that is coming. More peripherals. It'll be it'll be cool. Um, something else that uh, Walking Cat spotted on Twitter today, and this has me actually very intrigued. And it's called game mode. He spotted it in. <laughs> so 
I've been using, I'm going to interject here for a second. So I've been using Cortana on my, my phone because I've been trying to like, hey, let's give it another chance. And so I live on East Coast time zone. And as you can see right here, um, it just sent me the temperature for today at 1026 a.m. Like it, it's sending me the highs and lows. It's like, I don't understand what Cortana is doing, but it's off by like two hours. And I've checked the region settings, everything I can on the phone. And I even checked on my PC that it's set to East Coast time zone inside of Cortana. And I'm still getting every alert two hours later than when you want it. For example, uh, at 10 o'clock this morning, right before I did the show, it says, hey, do you want to look at your day? That'd be great at 8 a.m., not 10 a.m. And I get lunch recommendations at about 2, between 2 and 2.30 every day. Uh, yeah, I don't know what Cortana on iOS is doing. At least my version is all jacked up. So, anyways, uh, back to the game stuff. Walking Cat found on Windows 10. And I think it's in the creator's update, the latest version, is that there's this thing called game mode. And he's asking what it is. And so there's, there's many different things uh, that it could be. And so let's just kind of dive in. This is what I hope. What I, We'll start with what I hope, and then we'll kind of move things down the ratchet of from optimistic to awesome down to more reality. So what I hope is that Microsoft right now pitches uh, Play Anywhere. They, they have games that if you buy it on your Xbox, you can then buy it on your... You don't have to buy it through the Windows Store. You just get it on your PC. So... Uh, <laughs> what I'm hoping here is that it becomes not play anywhere, but it's Xbox games anywhere. I've often thought for a very long time that we know that like my PC right here in front of me is more powerful than the Xbox behind me, the Xbox one behind me. In theory, what could be allowed is that those Xbox games, the exact same game, just put it in a container and bring it to the PC, like a UWP container or something. And it could play just fine. Like it, it would, it would play. And so what I'm hoping is that one day that Xbox is not so much a hardware device as it is a software thing. Imagine you going to like Dell.com and specking out a PC and when it gets high enough, it becomes Xbox certified. And so any Xbox one game that comes out plays on your desktop and on the console. And what Microsoft really is just selling is a, is a console P, is a PC for the living room that is Xbox certified. And so that's my hope is that one day we will get there is that this Xbox games just play anywhere, right? Right? We got Xbox wireless with your PC. It plays here. It's like, oh, screw it. I want to play on that screen. And I just spin around, fire that thing up. And it's the same game, just whatever. Like it seems completely possible. Microsoft is a company that could do this. It'd be a huge advantage for them. And I am hoping that's what this new game mode is. We don't really have a lot of uh, details about when or if that is coming but i honestly could see that happening at some point and it becomes more like xbox as a service where it's just a back-end thing that says hey your pc is good enough you can play xbox games and you don't have to actually buy a console so that is the most optimistic look uh bringing it down a little bit closer to reality inside of windows there's a thing called the game bar so if you hit windows key g it brings up this game bar and allows you to do things like record screen take screenshots and all that stuff of the game you're playing without interrupting too much and so this could be an extension of that uh or finally uh the least likely or most likely scenario most obvious scenario is that the, remember the xbox one does run windows 10 and these could just be some assets from that just showing up on the desktop and this is truly just the xbox one uh console stuff just making its way into the desktop and there you go so 
I'll be real curious to see what this game mode is. Or finally, it, last thing it could be is that it kind of maybe optimizes your machine to play games by limiting bandwidth for other applications. Like if you have YouTube running, it like cuts the bandwidth. If it, if it, it won't download stuff um, and all that. So that's this new game mode. I'm really interested in where this is going, but we will find out. Uh, quick question. Somebody asked if I lived in Indiana. No, I don't live in Indiana. I live in Ohio, uh, Cincinnati to be exact. I live very close to downtown Cincinnati. So going to get to the reader questions of the week. Uh, we got quite a few of them in here. And Tourniquet asks, he says, will Windows Phone 7, 7 or 8 Silverlight apps also be available on Windows 10 cellular PCs? With Windows 10 RT, it was strange because it was ARM but couldn't run on ARM run arm phone apps so this is a an extremely good question and the honest answer is we don't know yet we don't know enough about these cellular pcs microsoft announced this stuff and just said hey here they are and then just like shut everything down and said they're coming next year with qualcomm and they didn't they didn't allow like i don't think there was like a proper q a that said uh all the details it'd be really interesting to see my gut honestly tells me no um i mean in theory, could they? Yes. But is Microsoft going to support that? I don't know, because those apps are going to be so old at this point. And if they're not running UWP, which again, Microsoft wants everything in UWP. Uh, I don't know how, I don't know if the support is going to be there. Uh, Corey McCowan asks, uh, do you know any manufacturers putting Windows Hello enabled cameras into monitors? It feels like it's been untapped market. I completely agree. So this is, this is kind of frustrating, but I, I know what you want. You want a, a monitor with a camera in it that has Windows Hello. I don't know of anything. I, your best bet, honestly, if you want Windows Hello enabled, I believe it's the Razer Stargazer camera is a third-party webcam that you can use that supports Windows Hello. And that is the only real kind of thing. Windows Hello, it, I mean, it's in the Surface Book, but honest to God, I have it all turned off. Uh, it's more, f I, I, I turned it off. It, it's easier just to use a pin. And I shouldn't say it's easier to use a pin, but it, it's more reliable to use a pin. Like, you, you open up the laptop and it says looking for you and then you're like doing that little like head bobble like whack-a-mole thing and it does work and it it works very reliably but to me it's easier just to flip it up i have a four digit pin just punch that in and hit enter and i don't even have to really be looking at the pc to make it happen and the other thing is too i i there was an issue a while ago with windows hello keeping your machine on and draining the battery and so ever since then i just turned it off and i haven't turned it back on for a desktop pc that wouldn't be an issue but uh, we will see. The Joe Finn asks, could Microsoft's new cellular PCs open the door for Skype to become a mobile, a virtual mobile network operator? This is actually a very interesting question because I actually thought about doing this. What would be awesome for me is once these cellular PCs are out and they're a viable solution, what I, and, and this makes me nervous because of how much Skype has screwed me over over the years, is actually to port my cell number, which I've had for a decade or more, to Skype. And so that if anybody wants to call me, they could just use that number. And no matter what device I'm on, it rings on Skype through the cellular PC. And that would actually be awesome because then I would be, while I'd be still paying, well, I wouldn't necessarily be paying Verizon. I could really just swap any carrier and not have to worry about porting my number and all that good stuff. Um, I would actually love for that to be an option. I, I want things to kind of materialize and I'd be really nervous when I did it at first because I've had my same cell number for so long and changing it, God, you guys know how it is, changing cell phone numbers these days. Uh, I would like to avoid that, but I would think that would be an amazing scenario. And actually, Microsoft should try to start promoting that, saying, hey, port your number here, have your cell number everywhere, 
and then Kumbaya. So, uh, a lot of questions on these cellular PCs, which is good, because I, I think there's a lot of excitement about it. There's a lot of unknowns. Like I said, Microsoft announced all this stuff. It's like, yeah, yeah, and then boom, just shut everything down, uh, information-wise. Uh, Skibi, Skibi, I guess, asks, will the new cellular P P PCs use the same broadband software as phones? Uh, how will this ginormous security risk threat vector be mitigated? So, da -da 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 -da. this is a good question. They're, these are all really good questions. Um, not that there's really any bad questions. So there's a couple things to consider. Microsoft said that they're going to be using eSIMs, which is a completely virtualized version of a SIM card. And they will have more control over that. But yes, you're right. So what they're accounting on, I guess, is that the cellular connectivity is built natively into ARM chips and that they kind of have to, going to have to rely on some of that uh, security mechanisms that are just built in by ARM. Because you're right, what this really does is it opens up another attack vector for people who are trying to penetrate the PCs because, hey, if they can get in through the phone uh, firmware, they can really start to screw with things. So that's a very good question. It's going to be just another security layer that Microsoft is going to have to consider and figure out how to properly protect. I suspect that they're already on top of this. And it's not anything new. Apple has to do it. Um, any cell phone has to do it. This isn't some thing. Uh, and going all on, on that stuff. And so then the last question here, although there is a couple from the chat window, although it's hard to read and do that stuff, but I'll, I'll address one. Uh, if Cortana was available through multiple, this is from Mr. PKI, uh, which is close to key performance indi indicator. I was thinking KPI, but Mr. PKI. If Cortana was available through multiple OEMs, would they be compatible with each other? Uh, would you choose the Windows 10 one with the screen, blah, blah, blah? Okay. So this is interesting, an interesting thought. So this is actually really relevant. So one of the problems with an Amazon Echo is that if you have two in your house, which I do, I have two, although they're rarely both on at the same time uh, because of how far apart they are. The problem is, is that they do not talk to each other, right? Uh, if I stand in my kitchen, because this one's in the basement, my other one's upstairs, and if I'm in my kitchen and I yell loud enough, it actually activates both of them. It's rare, but it can happen. And the problem is they don't know which one I'm talking to, and it can, it can really cause confusion. So this is actually a very good question that, let's say, I know this is going to be toaster fridge, but let's say you have a refrigerator that has Cortana built in, you have your phone, uh, you have the Harman Kardon speaker in your house and whatever, and you say, hey, Cortana, and there goes my machine, uh, <laughs> uh, and you say that, what's going to happen? So I would have to think that these things talk to each other, but it's going to be real interesting when they don't all come from the same vendor, because that means it's going to have to do it. I, I don't know. This is a very interesting scenario that Microsoft has to have thought of, but what I, I don't know. I, I, this is, this actually has me very intrigued because you could really screw with things if again you have the same problem i have with my echo now granted google home does not have this issue google home is smart enough but again that's the same device by the same vendor so when you have different devices by different vendors microsoft's going to have to figure out a way to make these things talk to each other so that they don't you don't have 17 cortanas in your house telling you all the the weather um although what would be nice and what the again the echo does not do and i think google home does do is that before I bought, and it's, this is really the reason I bought a Sonos system for my, or Sonos speakers, I bought a bunch of them, stupid things are expensive, um, is that if you play music on one, it would be nice if you're, if you have 10 Cortana speakers made by different manufacturers, you play music on one, that it would go to all of them. Now granted, that's a kind of a different type of a setup, but yeah, uh, interesting thing, it, that's an unknown. We just don't know enough about this stuff. The cellular PCs, the Cortana SDK stuff is all 
in the eyes of Microsoft into the consumer world, brand new, and we're still trying to figure it all out. These are all great questions, and the reason why I like to do these threads is even if I don't know like a proper answer for them, when I get in front of the right Microsoft people, I can ask these questions. And so these are good questions to ask. Like if somebody asks why their specific version of Skype doesn't do something, I can't ask that to Microsoft. I mean, they're not, they're going to tell you to go to the support forms. But these are the types of questions that say, hey, uh, can we get some clarification on this stuff? And so I do talk to these guys once a week-ish, um, although this month's a little different because half of them are on vacation. But I do talk to these people, and so does Paul uh, very frequently. And somebody asked... Uh, Paul was a little upset, I don't know, upset today that Windows Essentials, which is Microsoft's last kind of bundled together services of apps, and most notably it has a a video editor, or a movie maker, I think it's called Windows Movie Maker, is going to reach end of life here in early January. Paul's pretty upset about it because, hey, it was a great product, and the creator's update, so far we haven't heard of any free video editors coming from Microsoft, so it is reaching end of life, and anyways, so... Good golly, this went on a little bit longer than I thought. I make these show notes, and I can generally tell how like long they are, about how long the show is going to be. This one actually went a bit longer uh, than expected, which is fine. It's not anything bad. And so I'm going to end it here. Well, actually, I shouldn't end it here. Uh, so one thing happens next week is Christmas, I think, is what day? It's like next Saturday. Uh, it's next Sunday, next Sunday. So maybe I will be doing the show on Friday. I was trying to think if I was going to do this show next Friday or if I was going to do it like on Thursday or something. Uh, but that's right. I, I was thinking Christmas was on Saturday, but it looks like it's on Sunday. Uh, anyways, so, uh, I'll tweet out some stuff about that. If, if I'm not going to do it on Friday, I'll let you guys know. Um, also if you subscribe on YouTube, I know not everybody does this. I had a little thing. You can actually click it on the video now. I finally got my stupid head around how to do this stuff and by stupid head I mean I just googled it and it told me how exactly how to do it if you subscribe on YouTube um, one of the nice things that it will tell you is actually it will send you an alert when I start streaming so if you miss a tweet or you don't catch it or whatever if you hit that subscribe button it will tell you when I'm live streaming like you get an email an alert or whatever Uh, so that's kind of neat anyways the tip of the week so Microsoft actually announced this week that there's going to be no more insider builds for Windows 10 and I'm kind of happy with this mostly because uh, we're heading into the holiday season. If they're going to ship stuff and then it's really buggy, it's going to create a really bad experience for a while they're down and out. And so, uh, anyways, there's no new builds of Windows 10 for the rest of the year. So it honestly may be a good time to, instead of focusing on builds and playing around, actually just make another backup of, especially photos. I do this every year. Maybe I should write it up as a pro tip or something or whatever. Every year in December, I take all the photos for the year and I archive them and I back them up. And so that's honestly what you should start thinking about doing. Uh, instead of installing builds, back up your photos so that way you don't lose them. I just toss them all on OneDrive and that does uh, backups and whatever. So that is that. A uh, couple last real thing, I guess, is I'm headed to CES this year. So Microsoft, Microsoft last year held a thing at CES. It was kind of a private event. Terry Myerson showed up and I talked to him for a little bit. Um, Paul and I are both going to CES. Uh, I'm hoping we're going to see this Harmon Kardon speaker. If you're going to be at CES, let me know. I know it is a trade show and you technically have to register, but they let like 100,000 people in. There's going to be a lot of people at CES. I'm, I don't really like CES, to be honest, but I'm going to be there in Vegas, probably getting sick, as I always do every year, because when you cram 100,000 people into a convention center, um, people don't cover their mouths when they cough like dirty heathens. Anyways... <laughs> so this has been another episode guys uh thanks for tuning in as always if you don't catch me next week have a great holiday and i'll catch you at ces
and have a good one, everybody.